Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omni Talk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Amanda Zenga. And we are the founders of Omni Talk, the fast growing retail media outlet that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. Or as we like to say, and retail media company that focuses on tomorrow today. Now, joining us today is a woman that I am proud to call a friend, Anne. Yeah, I'm very proud, actually. She's my former colleague at Target, both of our former colleagues at Target, actually. Yeah. And now she's the head of industry for retail and grocery at Meta. Please welcome Alicia LaBeouf. Alicia, welcome to Talk. Thank you, guys. So good to see you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you for having me. Yeah, what's it like to make your first appearance on Omnitalk? You excited? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, this is such a full circle moment for me. It is. Uh, I was trying to think, Chris, about I think I first met you when I was 25. Yep. New to Target. Yep. Um, and I just remember you being, you know, such a good friend, mentor. We had a lot of great conversations. Um, and so I am so excited to be on this podcast with you and Ann. Um, and so excited that our worlds have come back together to talk about all things retail. Yeah, yeah. We first met on a light rail, and believe it or not, I think we were headed to an AIDS walk uh, on a Sunday. Oh my and gosh. she was just there and I was there. I had a red shirt on. She had a red shirt on. We we're the only people on the on the, the light rail station. It was like 730 in the morning and we just was started the talking light to rail each other. Around then? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Downtown well, Minneapolis. Man, but yeah. Crazy. So that's and how then, it all started. Yes. And then we pivoted those to conversations at the Starbucks in the Skyway. <laughs> yes. In, at the Target store. <laughs> Yep. Um, and I'll never forget our last one where I was trying to decide if I should go run stores. Do you remember yeah. this conversation? And, and I know you had went and ran stores for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And so we were weighing uh, the pros and cons. And ultimately, I did one of the best decisions I ever made. But yeah. uh, it's good times. Target, one of my favorite retailers. So it's good to, to see us all back together again. Yeah. So I gave you good advice then, I take it. I you gave, gave me advice. great advice. Good to know. Good That's to know. Good. Everyone watching, please take note of that. Yes. My- yes. <laughs> Noted. It worked out. It worked out. Yeah, it worked out. Well, for everyone listening also, uh, before we get into our discussion with Alicia, just a reminder that you can ask for advice uh, in the in the the, um, chat next to us here. Um, If you're listening, though, live on LinkedIn, you can ask questions of anyone of Alicia, the the meta team. Um, Just type them right into the chat where uh, we've got the conversation going already. But Alicia, we, we got to know a little bit about you, um, but, and Chris mentioned that you guys have worked to target, but tell us a little about your career journey kind of after running stores and what led to your current role at Meta. Yeah, great, great. Um, so spent 10 years at Target, um, and that's where I would say got my retail foundation. Mm-hmm. Had a variety of roles in procurement and community and in operations and went to run stores. Um, and that's what I think, you know, kind of cemented this appetite for me in terms of like really wanting to get to know the consumer and just having this, uh, you know, this curiosity about all things retail. So did that. And then I actually went to go lead marketing and merchandising for a B2B company called Canteen, which okay. is the largest vending and micromarket company in the country. So mm-hmm. at that time, I was basically doing planograms for vending machines and micromarkets and also trying to figure out what unattended retail looks like. So think right. micromarkets in airports or micromarkets right. that you might, you know, use at a, you know, at your company if you want a snack during the break. Um, so did that for for a while and then came over to Meta almost two years ago, which is crazy. Oh, it's been I believe it's been, years. Wow. I know, it's been almost two years. Um, so I lead a team of people that work with the largest uh, retailers and uh, grocers in the country. 
around the future of shopping. So a lot of that is digital marketing, how they show up on our platforms, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. And a lot of that is also thinking about the future of discovery commerce um, and how our platforms can help enable um, a better consumer experience for their, for their guests. Um, so we work with all the major brands. Um, I have a team that um, ba is based across the country, um, and I basically um, help support them. And it's it's been a great ride since. Nice. I love how you guys said discovery commerce. Actually, mm -hmm. I'm giving a speech next week, and that's probably pretty much the crux of my main point <laughs> right in the first 20 minutes of the speech is that whole concept, which I love to get into get into with you today as much as possible. So let's 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 start there. I mean, you mentioned grocery, yeah. and that's going to be our focus today. Uh, and we're going to particularly look at grocery through the lens of the customer's mobile device specifically. So to put you on the spot, Alicia, uh, I have a purposefully open-ended question here. Okay. And the question is this, how important is mobile in today's grocery shopping experience and why? Uh, I would say it is a necessity. So let's just talk about some of the facts. So before the pandemic start, well, pandemic started, we saw a 32% increase in e-commerce and online sales. Right. Because people couldn't go in the store. Um, you kind of keep going from that. You know, there's studies that show two out of three consumers say that their mobile device is the most important device when it comes to shopping. Then you keep going. And there's also another study that says that 50% of consumers say that they discover new brands, grocery brands, beverages, and food from their mobile device. 50%. And so 50%. And it's okay. even higher for Gen Z. For Gen Z, it's right. about 71%. Wow. Okay. So if you're a CPG company, if you're a food company and you want people to get to know your brand or company, you're doing that on your mobile device. You're doing that through discovery commerce, through social media. And so that right there just kind of shows you how I think mobile has um, accelerated and transformed the shopping experience. The other thing I'd say is that it's no longer a you know, people start the shopping experience maybe on their couch. They're like, oh, I need some chips or, you know, I'm out of bottled water or whatever. They may say, okay, let me order it now. They may say, let me put it in my shopping cart and go in the store because I know I need to grab it later. They might decide to start their, you know, grocery shopping list when they're at home and then go into the store. So mobile essentially has become another tool for consumers um, when it comes to the shopping experience. Well, Alicia, I, I want to dig in a little bit more to what you mentioned about Gen Z, because I know recently we, um, we were talking about on one of our fast five podcasts about how, you know, search is actually happening now for that generation on Instagram. So the search for those new products is happening there. Mm -hmm. How does meta kind of think about that? Um, especially as we start to think about like personalizing that search a little bit more, um, for the individuals that are are scrolling through Instagram and discovering those new brands? Yeah, so it's all, I mean, I feel like personalization is the buzzword, right? So you want to find things that you're attracted to and you want to discover. So I think, and I talked about this a little bit during Grocery Shop. Yeah. There's always that fine line of like, you know, I want to see things that I'm interested in, but I also want a little bit of discovery in that. Sure. And so sure. what we see happening with Gen Z is that they're mm. discovering those new brands um, on Instagram and they're trying them. Right. And that's how they fall in love with brands. They try them and that builds loyalty. And ultimately that builds purchase behavior, et cetera. So, you know, when you think about Instagram and meta in general, there's 3.6 billion people on our platform. All of the major brands are on Instagram and Facebook. So if you want to attract Gen Z, you're on our platform, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, there's a few products, like one is called Digital Circular. So okay. think, 
back in the day, you go in the store, there's a bunch of newspaper at the front, you pick up the circular and it tells you what the sales are for the day, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward in 2022, that's all digital. So mm-hmm. now, and I can serve you a digital circular on your phone that shows you what's in the store that day for products that you want. Right. So let's say you're gluten-free, for example, maybe your digital circular only has gluten-free products on there because they know that's what you want. And so they're going to serve you those products. So that's just an example of personalization and how, you know, a platform like Instagram can, again, serve the products that you want and help enhance your shopping experience. And Alicia, how is that happening? I mean, is that a function of I'm entering in that information in my Instagram profile or is that a, is that like things I'm searching for when I am, you know, if I'm a Gen Z going to find like best, you know, pizza restaurant or something like that, or best, you know, salad dressing or something like, is that kind of how you're figuring that kind of stuff out and serving me up that personalized content? And how do the brands and grocers kind of, you know, work with you on that to have success? What we're seeing is, you know, personalization is like table stakes. People want to be served discoveries based on their preferences. Right. And so, Let's take, for example, um, shampoo mm-hmm. and, you know, you like a certain shampoo, you have certain preferences you like, you know, so a shampoo company may say, okay, Meta, I want to target people that live in this area that love, you know, shampoo that smells like flowers. Right. And our data shows that that, you know, index is between the ages of 18 and 35 year olds. So help us target those people in this area so that they can buy our shampoo. And so we basically, with our discovery platform, help people discover that brand. And so that's how, you know, when, when people are on Instagram, um, how those discoveries and promotions are, are served up based on preferences about what you like. Um, the other way that, that, you know, before social media that was, um, you know, used is loyalty. You know, grocers and CPG companies have always been using loyalty programs to really serve up preferences and promotions to really understand personalization. So they know who you are. They know what you buy. Um, and based on that information, they might serve you a coupon and say, hey, we know that you buy this shampoo every week. How about you buy this new scent we have? Or how about, did you know we had a promotion coming up next month where it's two for one? And so it's just an evolution of um, how you take personalization to the next level and help um, serve preferences to what people want. Well, and Alicia, I imagine that there's, there's support that they're getting from doing this with Meta versus just going out and going at it alone. You know, explain a little bit about that and like how they've had success with you as they are like kind of leveraging you know, the information that you have, my engagement on the platform, and then they're translating that into those, those offers or, or other successes that they've had. Absolutely. And I'm going to do a shameless plug here for the meta for business uh, page that um, is live and that um, some of our, you get that scrolling across the bottom of the screen, shameless (laughs) plug. Some of our viewers can go on. Um, because a lot of it, and you know, the, I would say the new data, uh, that we're using machine learning and, and, um, helps to identify who you should be targeting. Right. And so what we're finding is these companies already have a plethora of information about their guests. They just want to understand how do we target them more? How do we think about discovery? So when you think about the creator economy, um, and we're doing a lot of work with creators where we match creators with brands to help, you know, broaden audiences and things like that. When we think about that, it really is about, you know, how can we be a one-stop shop for 
grocery companies and CPGs when it comes to um, really targeting the audiences that they want to and the audiences that they don't even know that, you know, might be future guests for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we really see our platform. It's all about discovery. Yeah. I like how you said personalization is basically table stakes at this point, because I think Ann and I would agree. And oftentimes we think that word is a little even overused to a degree, but I want to ask you, I want to ask you a different level question here now. Um, you know, the biggest aha for, I think, us coming out of the pandemic is really, there's kind of a dual nature now of how a physical grocery store, particularly paired with a mobile device, is actually a more convenient experience than, say, your strict e-commerce order, you know, that yeah. you would just trigger from your mobile device while you're sitting at your couch. There, it, there's this convenient aspect that comes into play here, particularly coming out of the pandemic. So, so one, my first question is, why do you think that is? And then my second question is, what have you seen grocers and brands do to make these quote unquote mobily led shopping experiences more convenient to that end? Yeah. So I would say twofold. The first is um, there needs to be a frictionless shopping experience, whether you're on your mobile device or whether you're in store. Consumers expect the same thing. Like they want to start their journey on their phone potentially. And when they walk in the store, they want to make it easy. So a couple examples of that. Maybe you have a digital shopping list. You go in the store and that shopping list is already fulfilled at the front. So you're just adding to your basket, right? Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you're using your phone for product research. You go in the store, you're doing price checks. Or maybe your phone is serving up other products that are, you know, that should be as associated with your purchase. So if you get spaghetti sauce, maybe, you know, your phone will say, hey, what about the noodles? Do you want that in your cart as well? Um, and so I think, you know, this idea that, you know, I'm just going to shop online and get my order or I'm just going to go in the store doesn't exist anymore. It's more hybrid. Right. And I want as a consumer, I want the optionality to decide what I want. If I just want to pop in the store for just a casual visit to see what inspires me and go down the aisle or if I just need to do a quick trip and just, you know, purchase it on my phone and, and do it that way. Um, the second one is really, I think, around some of the innovation that I'm seeing happening um, in store. So, you know, and I think Target is a, is a phenomenal example of this. You can go in the beauty aisle and you can see um, if you scan a QR code, you can actually see um, demonstrations of people putting on the new color for fall and lipstick. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually, you know, see new, new product information that comes to light. You can actually, you know, look to see how would this candle show up in my living room if I bought it today, um, all through your mobile device. And so again, if you see mo mobile as a tool, it just enhances the shopping experience once you go in the store. Um, and I think you, we're going to continue to see as time goes by the evolution of that. I want to press you on that a little bit, though, too, because I think I want to go back to something you said at the outset. You said, I think 70% of Gen Zers are using, you know, uh, the social media applications as a way to get informed about products, essentially, yeah. um, for lack of a better way to put it. So, like, how are you at Meta then enabling a more convenient shopping experience at that moment? Like what tools are you guys bringing to the table that, you know, enable that to happen? Like, for example, at Grocery Shop, we heard a lot of conversation about the CPGs using the social media platforms as a new way to go direct, right? Mm -hmm. They're having that direct relationship with the consumer at point of inspiration, and even trying to get them to purchase from a variety of retailers on the back end, where the Retail, the retail decision is almost an afterthought, depending on where you want to fulfill your product from. Mm -hmm. How are you guys thinking about that dynamic and what tools are you devising or creating to, to make that happen? So I'm, I, that's a great question, Chris. If we go back to digital circular for a second and we say, okay, that digital circular ad is served on your phone and it says, hey, here's what's in store for the week. And you say, oh, I need that. 
you can essentially click on that digital circular. You can get it fulfilled from your local store or it can get delivered to your home. Right. OK. Um, we're also seeing um, use cases where messaging is becoming bigger and bigger. So let's oh, say wow. you, you know, are like, I don't know what I want for dinner tonight. I'm having four people over. We want Italian. You know, maybe, you know, on the other side of that DM, there's a grocer or someone at the store that's like, we have this on promotion. Would you like me to order it for you? It'll be ready for you at 5 p.m. for pickup. Right. And so these are all applications and tools that you can do through Instagram to help, you know, accelerate the shopping experience um, through social media. So that, again, as customers, you know, are thinking about this hybrid experience, they're on our platform. They want to also shop. They don't have to decide, you know, which to use. They can use them. They can use them both at the same time. So you, so I want to make sure I heard that right. So you're saying you're seeing people use the platform and then it's evolving to the point where the brands or the retailers are messaging the directly with the consumer about the certain activities they want to take to help aid in the convenience aspect of how they want to shop. Absolutely. And I would also say this, like the underpin of this is this is going back to discovery, right? So typically if you're like me, you're going into the grocery store and I'm like, I need eggs, I need milk and I need bread and I'm going to hit the grocery store, Right. Um, but what we're seeing now is people are spending more time in the grocery store. Let's say you do mm -hmm. have time. Yeah. And so maybe, you, you know, the, a grocer wants you to, to discover more products. They want you to go down more aisles. And so one of the things we're seeing, and, and I'll call out um, Albertsons for this, and HEB has been, been great at this, is how do you create an element of gamification in Instagram and Facebook where maybe... Mm -hmm you know, for the holidays, there's a holiday scavenger hunt in the grocery store. Or maybe if your kids are with you and they want to, you know, have, see a virtual Santa Claus in the cake aisle, or you see, you know, on Instagram, somebody making cookies and it says it's in aisle five, you go in aisle five, you scan a QR code, you can actually see the demonstration and it highlights all the products on the shelf that you should buy. So I think, you know, the connection here is how is technology really sort of enabling people to not only spend more time, but to, to discover more brands um, in the grocery store, whether you're in the store or whether you're at home. Yeah, spend more time or less time, depending less on how time. you want to engage, or less right? Time. That's the That's key right. here Give in how you're describing this. Well, right. Alicia, I want to make sure we spend some time. Um, I mean, you've kind of teased some of the, the features that we're starting to see grocers uh, and retailers using that are newer. Um, but our audience loves a little prognostication if possible. So I'd love to spend some time talking about kind of the next front or the future ways of enhancing shopping experiences, whether that's through mobile device, uh, the mobile device or otherwise. What what should we be paying attention to? What are you seeing at Meta right now that uh, that deserves a heads up? Yeah, so I, I, I have to use this moment to talk about the metaverse, not just because okay. I'm at Meta. All right. Wow. Uh, okay, not just cool. because I'm at Meta. I didn't, I didn't actually, actually expect to go here, Ann. Honestly, I had yes. no idea we were going to go here. So I got a ton I, of questions I already. Okay. My, my quest and put it on for, for this yeah. moment. Um, so look, the meta the metaverse and building the metaverse is going to take a while and it's still in early days. But I think that, you know, it is going to transform shopping. And anybody that asks mm -hmm. me, I'm always very bullish about um, the metaverse. Um, because I think, you know, just like the internet was a taboo thing 20, 30 years ago, I think we're going to be talking about the metaverse in the future as just a way that we live. And so when you think about what could happen, think maybe I put on my quest and I can actually see, be in a store and see the planogram yeah. and put things in my cart and shop virtually and discover brands and I'll do it from the comfort of my couch. Right. Right. Like, 
doing it from a website is one thing, but actually being immersed in the experience of a grocery store, being able to see a planogram, and maybe that planogram knows that I only eat gluten-free products, so it highlights those gluten-free products for me. Right. Or maybe I buy all the stuff, it comes to my house, and I'm like, I have no idea how to make this lasagna. So in the metaverse, I'm actually in a cooking class with a world-renowned chef, and they're helping you know demonstrate how to make the lasagna and cut up the basil perfectly. Right. Right. Um, I know this after group, after you're taking the goggles off. After right. I'm taking the goggles <laughs> off. Right. E- exactly. But I know or maybe this not down the road. Who knows? Or maybe not. Know. Maybe I'm watching yeah. him and then I'm like, maybe I'll do not. It. I'm, I'm just thinking, right? I'm imagining yeah. myself totally immersed yeah. in this. Yeah. And just in the metaverse. You can kind of still see though too, but yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know I know that feels aspirational and far off, mm-hmm. but I think that's where we're headed. And um, I think that when you start thinking about what this could mean for the future of, you know, shopping, of food, of healthy, of well-being, all those things. Um, I get excited about that. So yeah. I think the metaverse is going to be a big, a big moment for um for grocery and and, and food in general. I know Anne loves the idea. Mm-hmm. Anne Anne has talked on our weekly podcast a number of times about the idea of, of virtual reality grocery shopping. As has Dave Stack, our good buddy at Schnooks, who we interviewed at grocery shop too. So yeah, there's some there this seems like there's a there there. My question though is like, what has to be true for that to happen, like across yeah. the industry? Like what, what do retailers need to know about to bring that eventuality to life? Because it right. sounds like there's some people that want that. My partner on the left here being one of them, like what, yeah. has, to, what has to happen for that to take place? So I think adoption is like the big thing, right? Like the hardware has to match. The hardware like in hand. We have to get like consumers have to have the hardware. They have to, ha- you know, it has to be massive adoption for most people to say, okay, why does it make sense for me to shop in the metaverse? when I can just do it from my phone or just go into a store. And so I think over time, especially as Gen Z, they become adults and they have their own homes and all those things that shopping in the metaverse would become a thing. Um, the other thing I would say, Chris, in terms of what has to happen is, you know, people want to just jump to the metaverse. And I feel like there are steps yeah. before that. So that's why I was asking. Yeah, there's ARVR, right? Yeah. Maybe you, you know, transform your app. So there's a few grocers that during the pandemic, actually, they weren't utilizing their app pre-pandemic. They're like, look, we're going to, you know, support all the customers that come in our store. E-commerce is just a thing that completely changed. And we've seen grocers redo their app, make their app more user friendly. They now have customer service. You can live chat. You can shop. They're serving recipes, all the things. To me, that is helping these grocers get ready for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, AR VR filters. So again, going in store, being able to look at a QR code or zoom in and do product research and all those yeah. things from your mobile device. So what excites me is I, I think there's elements that, you know, grocers and brands can get ready for before, you know, the metaverse becomes a thing to help them really um, accelerate the consumer experience. Yeah. The other two things I think about as you're describing that too, like almost the, the, the necessary need to haves are you got to have great item data. You know, to especially get to that world where you're like, I'm seeing just the gluten-free products, you yes. know, that are served out to me. You have to have great item data, which is fundamental right. of omni-channel retailing in general, which you can't say that enough, right, Ann? And then the other piece too is, to me, like when you get to a like a real-time visual overlay of what a store looks like, then you, you've got to have probably computer vision in there at some point, mm-hmm. understanding what's actually in that store that's then translating it back to your metaverse experience in and of itself, which is another reason to you know, jump on the bandwagon of computer vision experimentation, potentially first mm-hmm. and foremost, um, or AR, you know, 
uh, experimentation too, uh, you know, by way of a handheld device or something like that too, to give you at least a close approximation of that idea, you know, before we even go down this road. So, which is, which is important because I think that hits on the points we talk about a lot on this show. Anne. Yeah, absolutely. Looking like I, a true retailer. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and I think, I think the other part of that, that I'd add in is, and Alicia, I'm curious to hear your perspective, just how, how Meta's worked with in, with retailers and brands individually is how you're giving them kind of that inspiration, or I guess that push to make mm-hmm. the updates to their app, to look into item data and computer vision. How are you like, what's the relationship between you and those retailers? What does that look like? And how do you kind of help each other push the, the boundaries of kind of where we're going to go next or what shopping experiences look like next? Yeah, so um, a lot of the brands that I work with, um, the beauty of it is not only am I working with with them on the digital marketing side, but they also sell the Oculus and Quest device in their store. Okay. So we think Walmart and Target being um, being two of those. Um, so they have the hardware and they also have the experience. The other thing that we're doing is we're letting them experiment. So Target actually did a really cool um, Pride World. Um, this summer where Mm. they built it in the metaverse where you could actually go in the metaverse and it was like this cool playground and they launched it. It was a great success. Um, Walmart actually put this last holiday, a QR code on all their packaging that basically allowed people to use their mobile device. They scanned it and it was like a surprise um, when you get your packages for the holidays, especially for kids. So what we're starting to do is just serve up ideas like, hey, we know that, you know, as we all get ready, for the next evolution of shopping, it's a little bit ambiguous and, mm-hmm. and can seem far-fetched. How do we help get your consumers excited and ready? And those are just two examples of where we're starting to say, hey, like, let's use the, the platform you have, the customers you have, our platform to really connect those dots. Um, you know, the other thing is around, you know, discovery. So I'll go back to discovery commerce. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, back in the day, you know, when you're a buyer, you want your, you know, your, your product on shelf and you may still want to do that. But I think discovery commerce has also opened up so many options for new brands to get discovered. So Walmart may say, Hey, for, you know, the month of February, we're only going to highlight black owned brands. And if you, on our social media, we're going to have a black owned brand shop. And all the products in the shop are from these founders, their creators, you can click on their Instagram, right? And again, that inspires people. It helps them feel closer to the brand. They understand where the brand came from, the owners, what they're about, all those things. And so those are some of the opportunities that, you know, we're just pushing these brands um, to really think about as, you know, I think customers' expectations around the products they buy, how they buy them have evolved in the last few years. Alicia, explain to a little bit more about like the creator's role that you're helping kind of bridge between the brands and the creators themselves. Because I think one of the other cool parts of discovery that we're seeing a lot of experimentation with is, you know, what, what once was an affiliate link for a brand. Now it's like, how do you create a shop around that? Or this whole basket around, you know, things that are, are within your, your brand or your store and the content creators that are kind of responsible and Explain how you kind of are are bringing those two together. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, obviously, we see Instagram as the home for creators, right? And so this is the place where creators go um, to, you know, to grow, to start their businesses, to start their brands. And so we see ourselves as kind of the intermediary between the creator and then the brand Mm -hmm. and the company. And so how do we bring those two together to really drive that impact um, and really identify the customers that they're both trying to target? So it starts there and everything from doing a cool campaign, doing great videos, 
um, you know, really elevating the brand strategy. It really is about, you know, how do we, you know, if a brand says to us, look, we want to get better at acknowledging what Gen Z needs. And here's what we're thinking about. What creators can help us do that? Mm -hmm. Um, We attach them to our creators team and we, you Mm. know, sort of try to create a great marriage there. Um, You know, it could be a new product launch. So it could be all those things. I would say a lot of these brands already have a creator strategy. And so they've had creators, you know, and influencers um, as part of their strategies um, for a while. We just see our platform as the platform that takes it to the next level. For sure. um, and so whether it's, you know, we we had live shopping where we might have a creator host a live shopping event. We've had a few of those, um, targeted a few of those. We had Petco do a few of those last mm-hmm. year where we had a pet fashion show and a creator actually hosted it live. And it was phenomenal. And so it really is about experimenting, getting creative, having fun um, and using our platform as a tool to do that. I got to get Ginsburg in that pub fashion show. You, you do, know, man. That's yeah. Yeah, 100%. Ginsy definitely needs she like does. A, a Halloween yeah. costume. And she definitely up. does. I got to think about that. Absolutely. You got to get on that. I mean, think about that, the, the moment of excitement, right? Where, you know, like back in the day, I remember working at, you know, leading stores that when we announced a product drop, like the product would be sold out within five minutes because yeah, people would yeah. be outside. You know, now there's the option to do that virtually. Mm-hmm. You're like, hey, five o'clock on a Friday, we're dropping a new product with the creator. Everybody log in live right. and you log in live and maybe the first hundred people that pin the product can get it for free or get it, yeah. you know, at a discounted price. So yeah. I think it's just an extension of what retailers have been experimenting with. And now that they know that a lot of their customers are on social, it really is about how do they double down in social commerce? Right. Yeah. My big takeaway from that whole discussion too, is like discovery commerce, it just adds more relevant stories and more relevant content for marketers to talk about. And that's inherently what, you know, this is all about. All right. So normally, normally we get to this point of the discussion. We usually like to ask, you know, Hey, if people found it interesting, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I, I do want to do that, but I'm actually curious. I want to, I'm actually, cause you, you got me thinking about this. I actually want to know like, what does, say somebody reaches out to you. What does that first meeting look like? What types of topics you generally cover? Like, how's that structure? What types of things you go into? Yeah. So I'm laughing because I have a lot of people reach out to me and I usually get back to everybody, but um, I actually just had the privilege. I'm in Chicago of going to a meta does small business roundtables every month where we will go in a city and we will meet with small businesses and talk about um, how we can help drive their business. And it was a local bakery here that is phenomenal. And she just talked about, um, you know, how Meta has helped her business. She had her grand opening. She had a line around the door and she was like, had it not been for Meta, that her business might not have made it through the pandemic. And so what, what I did when I talked to her is we talked about, you know, how we can help her business grow. Some of the like, how is she targeting people that she knows like baking, but maybe she should target people that don't know they like baking yet. Or maybe she should target people that are within a certain age group within her neighborhood. And so we we, we kind of talk through that. Um, and so that's just an example of like, you know, when someone reaches out, we will try to find resources here at Meta to help them, whether they're a small business or a large business. Um, so typically I ask them, what do they need? Um, if they're a large company, there's typically a team that's already supporting them. And we'll work through that. If they're talking about things like holiday, like right now, everybody's, you know, very much focused on holiday. Um, We'll talk through their campaigns. Um, So, you know, I always tell people, reach out to me. If I can't help you, I will get you to the right person. Excellent. And if people do want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to actually do that for those watching today or listening today? 
Yes, yeah, so I'll give three. Um, first, Metaphor Business is dropped and available. So go on metaphorbusiness.com and there is a section just for grocers. So um, it's a plethora of resources available for you. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, Alicia LaBeouf, um, or you can also follow me on Instagram at Alicia LaBeouf. It's just my name. So happy to connect with anyone and help them or point them in the right direction. Are you going to be recommending any lasagna recipes, Alicia? Because I, will definitely I be following wish you. That's I like had a it. staple. That's lasagna. Yeah. That's your follow. Oh, I love. That's your I love a good. Follow, I love lasagna? a good lasagna or wow. pasta. All for, right. For the if you winter. follow my Instagram, like if like I only get served food ads, so because that's that's all I look <laughs> I think at. Add those too. Add those too. That's our first Instagram drop. I don't think we've yeah. had an Instagram drop in the history know. of the show. Yeah. I don't think we have. No. We had one yeah. mobile phone number, but that's the first Instagram drop, I think, in the history of the show. At Alicia LaBeouf. I don't have At any followers, but like it's a public profile, and I, I will respond to anybody that reaches out to me for sure. Very nice. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks, Alicia. Alicia, thanks for sitting down with us. Uh, appreciate it so much. It's a special, very special interview for me, as we talked about in the very outset. So appreciate you being here. And thanks to everyone that joined us today on LinkedIn. And to tune in to listen to the podcast if you're listening to this later on. And as always, on behalf of all of us here at Omnitalk, be careful out there.